Hi everyone, my name is Colleen Dewar. I'm with Shifting Gears Consulting and I want to start by thanking Amy DeVita from Top Nonprofits. She and I sort of spoke briefly last week and talked about ways that we might be helpful to all of you out there who are in your, let's just call it a new normal. Let's hope it's a temporary normal. Um, but what I'm seeing with some of my nonprofit clients and my friends in the industry is really one of two things. Either one, they're so mired, so knee deep in problem solving, uh, distribution of goods and services needed by their constituents, that this sort of content is, is almost laughable to them. They can't imagine getting to any sort of long-term projects. But yet, by the same token, some of those organizations, maybe you're one of them, might have staff that is now in a work-at-home capacity and maybe has their meetings cleared, their calendar cleared, and might have some opportunity to tackle some longer-term projects. So I thought it might be helpful just to come up with a project list of things that if you or your staff are working from home, uh, have a little bit clearer schedule and maybe even a little bit clearer mind and have the opportunity now that maybe some of your programs have been temporarily uh, are, are ceasing temporarily or maybe um, scaling down for a bit of time or maybe you can't take on those new initiatives just yet but you have time to look at some other project work then maybe some of this will be useful to you and I certainly hope that it is. So um, again I just want to thank Amy. I'm going to go ahead and share my um, slides with you now and we'll go ahead and get started. Um, and again, like I said, this really just came about, the genesis of this was an opportunity to say, look, many of us are working from home. Many of us already work from home, so this is not necessarily a big change, but the calendar is so much clearer. So now it's an opportunity to tackle some long-term projects. So what does that look like? Well, I've sort of categorized them into a couple of different buckets. Um, you may categorize them differently, but I thought it'd be helpful to start with development move on to communications projects, general managerial slash financial, maybe database cleanup, um, or maybe even just searching for a database if you're not there yet, volunteer management and research and education. And I do think it would help if I explain, uh, start by explaining that the bulk of my business is with what I would call smaller, small to mid-sized nonprofits defined as budgets of less than a half a million dollars. But I really think that if you look through this list, you'll be able to pick a few projects that apply to your business, whether it's a for-profit or a not-for-profit, uh, that might be appropriate for you to tackle in this very unusual time. So let's start with uh, development. What are the things that you can have a look at now? We're pulling the lens back. We have a little bit of a fresher eye. We're not completely distracted by uh, the goings on in our office. So what can we take a look at? Well, what about your fundraising events? Let's start with, you know, do you have a good solid template for each one of those fundraising events? Meaning, if somebody were going to take over the management of that fundraiser, could you literally hand them a binder or at least a to-do list that talks about what is your uh, calendar look like? You know, what do you have to be doing 12 months out, six months out, four weeks out, two weeks, one week, et cetera? Do you have statistics from previous years that might say, um, for example, I used to run reports that said, all right, T minus three weeks, we were at this many participants and this much in revenue. 
how are we tracking against years past? So maybe pulling those reports together for your fundraising event. Um, do you have a list of sponsors and sponsorship contacts? Do you have a uh, process for how to engage your board, your staff, your volunteers into the planning of this fundraiser? Now's a really good time to pull that lens back and really pull all that information together in one place. And while we're at it, why not have a look at your fundraising events? Do they make sense? Are you doing them because they've always been done? Are you doing them because there's um, emotion behind it as opposed to actual data and results? This is always my concern is the throwing around of words like gala, um, the insistence that we have to do a golf outing. And maybe for your organization, those are perfect. I, I have been to, seen, and enjoyed plenty of very, very successful galas, golf outings, wine tastings, you name it. But let's really have a look now and let's see, does this make sense? And I recognize too that it's not always about fundraising, it's sometimes about friend raising. Sometimes we have events that are a little less lucrative, but the goodwill that we achieve is certainly valuable. But now's a really good time to take that and, and have a really good objective look at it. Um, maybe reviewing potential fundraising venues. I, I don't know about, uh, about you, but in our somewhat rural location in New Jersey, there's a real dearth of fundraising venues, especially for larger groups. So, um, and I know sometimes you sit down with your board or you sit down with the planning committee and you go, well, we can have it here, we can have it there. Well, what about this place? What about that place? Now's a good time to do some digging online, some asking around, um, some looking at other local nonprofit websites to see what they do and where they do it, and maybe come up with a little spreadsheet of options. List out the, the venue name, the pricing, if they have it available or you have it available, their seating capacity, do they provide food? Do you need to hire a caterer? Can you hire your own caterer? Those are the kinds of things that you can have a look at. Flipping then into uh, to grants. Um, now's a great time to do uh, extensive grant research. You know, uh, one of the things that I always get a little um, annoyed would be a good word for is when, you know, sometimes you'll hear this from board members or high level volunteers saying we should just get more grants. Um, as if it's something that you can go out to the mailbox and just pick up. Um, it takes extensive grant research. So now's an opportunity to do some online grant research, look at other nonprofit websites to see who's funding them if they list that. You can look at GuideStar, and um, if you don't have a profile, highly recommend you create a GuideStar profile. Look at 990s um, and see who they fund. Um, sometimes there, and there are plenty of databases out there that are um, available that you can purchase for a short term. Um, Foundation Source obviously is a terrific way to find grant opportunities. Now we can't go to libraries now to do that research, but you, uh, you might have some options or know somebody who would allow you access to that database. Anyway, now's a great time to go digging for some opportunities for grants. And then with that, creating a grants calendar. Make sure that you're including due dates, um, progress reports for your existing grants, if they're due, when they're due, application requirements, um, that, you know, that sort of thing. Just pull that, all that together into a grants calendar. That'll be a valuable tool for you to use for many, many years because you'll simply have to update it. Obviously, now's a good time to write grants. Um, I haven't seen any wholesale changes in the landscape, but it's really early days. 
I do know that there are nonprofits who are on the front lines who are getting some help right away, um, even some unrequested help, which is a real blessing. And if anyone out there is uh, on the boards of these foundations that are making these decisions, then, then well done you, because I know that some of those, like I mentioned before, some of my nonprofit friends are so mired in, in just meeting immediate needs and trying to protect their staff, their volunteers and their constituents. They've also had to make un, unexpected purchases, things like um, sanitizing wipes and rubber gloves, um, maybe even hiring part-time staff so to protect their volunteers. So these are not budgeted expenses. So having some help with that is really appreciated. Um, but anyway, um, you know, now's a good time for you to write grants. Um, if you don't have already what I refer to as a letter of inquiry, or some people call it an executive summary, take the time now to do a really bang up job at writing one. This should be, in my opinion, two to three pages, absolutely no more than three, two is even better. Tell funders, whether those are foundation funders, corporate funders, private funders, tell your story. Tell us what you do, how you got started, why this work is critically important, why somebody should make an investment in it, why is there a need for it, um, you know, what makes you different than other agencies solving the same problem or even perceived to be solving the same problem, and what do you need the money for? Okay, this is my big message with grant funding. We want more grant funding. Can you get us more grant funding? What do you need the money for? And it is not a snarky question. It's a good question. What do you need the money for? Rolling into that, now's a good time to write program overviews, including budgets. A lot of times what I love to do with my nonprofits is, hey folks, let's Let's just take three steps backwards, okay? I know you want grant funding, but we're gonna create a process here. Part of that is, do you have an, a really strong overview of each of your programs? Can you tell me all the things that I just mentioned? Can you, do you have a distinct program budget for that program? Are these well-defined? And if they're not, now is the time to do it. Um, now might be an interesting time to seek out capacity building grants. I know many of you are looking to expand programs um, by a, a large amount. Maybe you're looking to add a critical program. Maybe you're looking to or, uh, expand the organization. Maybe you're a young organization who started out volunteer and is looking to enlist paid staff so that you have some longevity. Now's a great time to go looking for capacity building grants and see who might fund you. And if they are funding capacity building, what are they looking for? Um, because you probably don't have it, but you can get it if you take the time to do that now. Um, you can really be organized about your approach to these uh, funding opportunities. Now would be a great time to start an internal fundraising guide. Something that will inspire your staff and board to get involved. Something that will basically give them a template for feeling really comfortable and confident about asking for funding for your organization. And let me rephrase that, not asking for funding, asking for people to make an investment in your mission. And that's really different, isn't it? And when you can ask your supporters, your key volunteers, your board, your staff, 
to ask someone to make an investment in your mission, it's very different than just asking for money because nobody likes to ask for money. Now's a good time to write out some thoughts, maybe a PowerPoint, maybe it's a Word document, maybe make a video and inspire your leadership to help you raise funds for the organization. Um, now might be a great time, it is late March, um, uh, to do a mid-year thank you for high-level donors from 2019. Uh, I think it's really good practice to send something out to your really big supporters just to say thank you. And please folks, I beg you, do not send a request for funding with it. Just, just say thank you. Uh, there is nothing that irks me more that when I receive a thank you from an organization with an envelope or a pledge card or some request for even more funding, I, I just think it's really tacky. My feeling is if you do this, if you choose to take on this mid-year thank you, it should be really genuine. This is your opportunity to show those major donors through words and pictures what their investment meant to you. And let me also add, that if you are one of those organizations who is knee deep in coronavirus right now, in meeting needs, in responding to needs, and maybe you're able to do it because you have unrestricted funding, isn't that a great story to tell? Isn't now a great time to say, because you supported us so generously last year, we were able to meet needs immediately, critical needs. Tell a story, give a testimonial, whatever it is, now is a great time to say thank you. Um, maybe you want to kick off a planned giving or major gifts program. Are those those sort of squirrely projects that have been hanging out there and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I know we should do it, or I know we could do such a better job with this and we aren't? Now's the time. There's lots of online resources to do some digging, to find some information, to find some templates and get that going. Okay. So moving on to communications, um, and you know, you might even blur some of these into development, but for the sake of this webinar, we'll call it communications. Have a look at your website, a really good look at your website. And even better, see if you can find someone to look at your website for you. I used to engage board members to do this, and it was shocking how many things they would come up with to say, this isn't clear. I don't get it. I think there's too many words, Colleen. So having those fresh pairs of eyes looking at your website is really valuable. So if somebody's looking for a project, now's a great time. Um, you may even have some corporate friends out there who are looking to take on some volunteer projects. This is a really good one. And it's a no-brainer. Like it doesn't take a lot of their time. Um, but having that outside in look at your website is really valuable. Um, update, freshen up your front page. Why not? Make sure your donate buttons are, let's say, clear but not obnoxious. Um, start a blog. Why not? Now's a great time to start a blog. People want to know what you're doing, how you're meeting needs, um, how you're protecting your staff and your volunteers. Everybody is doing that. Everybody, no matter where you are in the continuum of how COVID-19 has affected your nonprofit, everybody has a story to tell. Now's the time to tell a good story. Uh, if you don't have a testimonials page or a client stories page, I think this is kind of 
uh, low hanging fruit and it's kind of a neat thing to add to your website unless you think it's going to add too much clutter. Review your stats and your statements to make sure that they are still accurate and viable. Um, create a board manual. Um, I've found very often that we are giving our boards uh, a lot of good information, but piecemeal. Now is a good time to pull all of that together. This serves a couple of purposes. Um, one, obviously you have all of your information in one place for your board members. Two, when you onboard a new board member, you have something that you can give them that speaks to your level of organization and commitment to give them something right away to help educate them. Um, and this is also something that can be done print and or online. So you can, uh, you know, I literally used to create a, a binder, um, but you could also do that in a Dropbox or Google Docs folder so that everybody has it. And what would be included in there? Things like updated financial information on the organization, an affirmation of service or something like it, something that your, um, that your board signs ideally every year once a year saying that this is what I commit to as a board member. That can include things like financial donations. Um, it can include um, confidentiality. Uh, it can include security. Um, it can also just include commitment to numbers of board meetings and attendance at events. But these are things that, you know, maybe six, eight, 12 points that you wanna to pull together and have everyone sign. It's a level of protection for the organization because if something does go wrong, you can always reflect back and say, see my friend, you did sign this. Include your bylaws and now of course is a good time to say, hey, how refreshed are our bylaws? Are they still accurate? Are they still, are they just only a couple years old? Okay, great. If not, maybe we can think about redoing our bylaws and there are nonprofit attorneys out there who might be willing to help you with that. And then talking points. I love the talking points because I feel like um, my board in, in whatever organization I was with or even boards for organizations that I work with now are so enthusiastic. They obviously believe in the mission. They wouldn't be giving you this level of service, but sometimes there's a bit of um, concern or lack of confidence about their ability to speak about the organization eloquently and accurately. Pulling together talking points is just a great way to give them a couple bullets that they can grab with whatever they're comfortable with and speak about the organization for you. It serves the staff so well. Having board members out there evangelizing for the organization is so powerful and it's so helpful. Um, moving on, so let's um, have a look at your marketing materials. Are they accurate? Are they consistent? Are they coordinated? Um, are they compelling? Uh, and you know, maybe now's the time to look at what we need to have in print, how many copies we realistically need, what we need in a simple PDF file, but now's a good time to really kind of think about and overhaul your marketing materials. Um, create a data sheet for your organization as a quick reference guide. And what I mean by this is, I try to do this for some of my clients where we, we pull together one page, and if you think about um, writing a grant or responding to questions about your organization, having every, and this is a little different than talking points, this is pure numbers and data. What was the number of folks that you served last year and how much did that increase from the year before or decrease? Um, 
are you handing out goods and services? What do your numbers look like in terms of items, pounds, um, whatever, number of people served, number of unduplicated individuals? If you think about some of those more tedious grant requests, rather than going back to that last grant that you wrote, pull all of your data into one, almost like a dashboard, because it's just so helpful having it all in one place. And now's a great time to take the time to do that. Look at your current e-newsletter for content quality distribution um, and, and impact. Um, do you think it's working well? Um, have a look at your numbers. Are your open rates, are you content with those? Um, do you even understand what an open rate is and what goes into that? And I, this is not the time for that, but if you look it up, what does open rate mean? Um, start educating yourself on what that uh, e-newsletter is doing for you and what it could do for you. Are you using the same template over and over because you never have time to completely overdo it? Hey, guess what? Now's a good time. Um, update or create a presentation for community education. Again, looking at your materials now, and is it something that you are feeling really good about when you send um, key volunteers, staff, or board out to speak on behalf of your organization? Do you like what you're sending them with, the tools that you're giving them? Um, if not, now's the time to tweak or maybe even overhaul those. And then create an annual report to the community, and this can look very different. I've seen annual reports that are literally one side of one page. I've seen 12 page reports to the community. They're, they look very different. I happen to think it's a very powerful tool that has a lot of uses. Um, what this um, would look like is, um, you know, what did your numbers look like last year? What was your financial information? You can present that in numbers, graphs, charts, however you think would make the most impact. What does your data look like? Is that compelling? Share that with your constituents. Maybe a spotlight on a volunteer, maybe a spotlight on a local business, maybe a staff spotlight, um, list your board members. Um, you know, it's, it's a marketing piece, but it's not a brochure. So um, in my opinion, it's your opportunity to say, hey, this is what we did last year. This is the impact that we had. This is how efficient we were in doing it. And these are some of the really cool people that helped us help these really cool people. So um, that's something that could be done now. Okay, moving on to management and financial. Um, this is probably a little touchy. This probably shouldn't have listed this one first, but review your current org chart to see. Are there opportunities to streamline or add staff? Okay, I'm not suggesting that this is the time to start um, reducing staff. Um, and for some of you, it's an unavoidable necessity, but what I'm saying is look at your org chart. Um, I think sometimes most companies are guilty of thinking of your staff sometimes more as people than as um, positions, if that makes sense. And we get a little emotional about it. Um, so now might be a good time just to simply have an objective look. That's all. Um, again, kind of back to what I touched upon in the development section, review current programs to see if they are well-defined, are they compelling, are they appropriate for staffing, meaning that um, is your current staff staffing those programs effectively, um, are they aligned are your programs aligned with your mission? Or are they starting to creep out of the bounds of your mission? Are they fundable? 
Um, and sometimes you can have a really, really great program that isn't fundable simply because you don't need money to fund it. Um, and I'm trying to think of a really good example of that, um, but maybe with a, um, you know, maybe with a, a food pantry that hosts a community dinner, right? That community dinner is something that is um, paid for and organized by a local church, community group, scout troop, whatever. They pay for everything associated with it, but they partner with you because you have access to the clients who need that community dinner. So it is a legitimate program of that organization, but it's not fundable only because you just don't need funding for it. But I think it certainly warrants listing it as a program for sure. Is it unique in your area and is it needed in the community? And again, this is where I'd really love for you to take that objective look at it. I do see a lot of duplication in programs and I hate to see that. Um, and I do understand that sometimes you have a look at a program and you say, well, um, here's an example. I'm doing an ESL class. Okay, well, there are ESL classes that happen throughout the community. But in my ESL class, I provide childcare. Okay, that's powerful. That's meeting a very unique need and in a very different way. Um, but those are the kinds of things that I feel like as nonprofits, sometimes we get a little desperate for... Um, well, I see this opportunity for funding, but it's programmatic. Well, I could do that, right? And so whether that's something that you developed or whether it was a legacy from someone, one of your predecessors, now's a good time to really have a good, good, good objective look at your programs and see if they still make sense for your organization. And please do not feel bad if you make a decision to move that program into another organization. Collaboration is key, and that's a good story to tell to say that we felt that it was important that rather than two organizations meeting one need, that we partner with this other organization. Everybody loves collaboration, go for it. Um, and then the flip side to that, of course, is review the programs in your community for opportunities for you to fill unmet needs, okay? And again, consider collaboration. There are really, really great things going on between nonprofits. And it is so great for funders, corporations, and private citizens to see that happening. Um, you all know what the needs are. And you all know the best way to meet them. Working together is really, really powerful. So I encourage you to consider that. Create a financial dashboard for your staff and board, something that you can pull up ideally monthly, even quarterly, so that you can see, are we on track with budget? Are we on track with last year compared to, you know, what do we think we're gonna need for next year? Now's a great time to create that dashboard in whatever format you decide to use, whether it's Quicken, Excel, whatever um, tools you have, just something that shows the numbers that everyone wants to see on a regular basis and so it's easy enough to update. Maybe you start a template for next year's budget. Um, for those of you, even with uh, December fiscal year ends, it's, it's really not too early. Do you, do you look at your financial reports year after year and go, oh, I really, really wish we could present this differently. I just don't have time. And so you keep using the same template. Now's a good time to redo that. Maybe you start pulling files for an upcoming audit. Maybe you've never done an audit and it's time to do an audit. So now you can research potential auditors for either a full audit or at least a review of your financials. 
And now some of you have gone remote. Many of you have gone remote either in whole or in part. And sometimes in many cases, it's happened fairly abruptly. So now's a good time to create a formal plan for going remote because let's hope this is the last pandemic that we have to deal with. But it won't be the last snowstorm we've ever had, power outage, um, internet outage, water main break, you name it, um, earthquake, fire, all sorts of things happen that require staff to go remote. So now that you've done it, take that look back and create a formal plan for going remote. Under what circumstances would you go remote? How does that look? Does the staff have all the resources that they need in order to do that? Um, now's the time to have a look. Okay, database cleanup. Now, let me start by saying this. Please tell me that you have a database. And if you don't, do not be ashamed because I am here to tell you, you are very good company. I have had many folks in the nonprofit world uh, apologetically say that they're tracking everything in Excel. You're in very good company. But it is absolutely not ideal. So now's a good time to have a look at a database and research new database programs. I have to be honest, it's been several years since I've done this, but what I'm noticing in the market is that those programs are starting to condense a little bit. So I don't think it's an overwhelming process to look at database programs and providers. Um, TechSoup is a great way to, uh, and CNET, those are both good resources for looking at database programs and seeing what's out there. Also highly recommend um, some of the social media sites. I'm one, I'm on the nonprofit happy hour Facebook page. Um, and if you, um, and don't post, search. If you search for um, Neon or, and I'm not endorsing anything, I've never used Neon, um, Salesforce. If you look for um, CRMs or database programs in those happy hour, in the nonprofit happy hour page, you will find post after post after post of really great information from actual users, those that loved and those that didn't. So great opportunity to scroll through that now. Review your current database. Are you happy with it? Is it doing what you need it to do? Is it too much of a database? Is it not robust enough? Now's the opportunity to say, I think we might want to consider something different. Oh, and now is a great time to teach yourself everything that you've been avoiding. Um, for me, it was running reports. Uh, the program that we used in my last organization was a little bit tricky. So it was something that I was always doing workarounds for, and I got the information I needed, but I know it was not the most efficient way to get it. Now's a good time to teach yourself how to do that. Um, creating address lists, sending bulk emails, whatever your sort of Waterloo is when it comes to your database. There's so much information out there on how to get around that. Not get around that, but really teach yourself how to do it and how to do it well. Um, how about your um, in-kind donation recording and acknowledgement? This is always a, seems a little bit tricky. Um, do you have a process or a procedure for how donations of in-kind goods and services are recorded? If a landscaper provides you um, you know, free landscaping, if a um, tech support person comes into your office for a few hours and helps you out. You know, as far as um, 
them recording that as a donation, that's, that's not your problem to solve. Um, and there are very strict IRS rules about that, that we're not going to get into that. But my point is when somebody drops off those diapers or that clothing or that donated food, do you have a really good efficient process for making sure that that um, in-kind donation is accepted, recorded, and acknowledged appropriately? If not, there you go. Update your database records from with details from discussions and meetings. And oh my goodness, I am not checking my hypocrisy at the door on this one. Sometimes life moves so fast that as you're rolling from one conversation, one meeting, one coffee, one phone conversation to the next, you never really take the time to write it down and get it into the database. Have a look at your calendar. How long has it been since you've really been actively doing that? Three months? Get your calendar out. Start looking back to all those meetings that you had and see if you can get to the best of your ability those records updated. Um, again, along with the in-kind donation uh, recording and acknowledgement is your gift acknowledgement protocol. Are you content that those gifts are getting recorded quickly, accurately, and being thanked appropriately and accurately and quickly? That needs to happen ideally within a week. That would be ideal, folks. Yes, I said it. You should be getting those gift acknowledgements out within a week. Um, and to every extent possible, making those as personal and meaningful as possible. So are you content with how things are going now? Is there a way to make that better or more streamlined? Can you engage the help of a dedicated, trusted volunteer to help with that? Can you reassign roles within staff to make sure that that gets done? Whatever it is, now we're pulling the lens back. Now's a good time to look at that. And then create an internal database guide. I know that very often when you implement a database program, it will give you training, staff training, but you know, staff comes and goes. And sometimes you might be using that database a little bit differently. Um, you might only be using pieces of it, or you might even be using um, so many pieces of it that you want to create something internal just to make sure that everybody is doing all the things that we just talked about as well as I can. So, moving on to volunteer management. Do you have a volunteer manual? Do you have something that your volunteers can refer back to um, to find all the information they need to do their jobs well? Because these are jobs, aren't they? Um, consider opportunities for volunteer acknowledgement. Uh, maybe this is always a struggle, isn't it? I mean, I work with so work have worked for and work with so many organizations that are so reliant on volunteers, and you just sometimes feel like you can't thank them enough. But then, yes, it is possible to thank too much. You don't want to raise any questions about, well, I really wish they didn't spend the money on that. But there are some really cool ways that volunteers can be thanked. Um, and you know, have a, do some digging, have a look around, see if you can find something creative and appropriate for your volunteers. Review your volunteer sign-up system. Um, are you happy with how that goes? Do you feel like it works well for your staff and works well for your volunteers? If not, let's redo it. Um, create new volunteer information and materials. And, and I, I put this in there because one of the things that I had found in previous jobs was 
you know, you'd get these phone calls and emails from people who want to volunteer. And so you send information out on what's required. What I ended up doing to save time and to make sure that everything was consistent is preparing basically a, a front and back page of what it takes to volunteer for this organization and a templated email response. Again, and, and not that it wasn't meant to be personal, but you can kind of save a lot of time if you have a templated email response ready to go. Um, and I also encourage you to take the opportunity to be somewhat, maybe blunt isn't the right word, honest about what it takes to volunteer for your organization. I think sometimes we are so hesitant and so concerned about volunteers being happy that we create jobs for them that we think they would like. When in reality, there's work that really needs to be done. And I think there's a way to professionally and kindly and enthusiastically write what it takes to be a volunteer for your organization and to be a little bit more honest. Um, it just really does help everyone, doesn't it? When, when the staff knows that they can expect certain jobs to be done a certain way, and volunteers know what they're in for. And, and I'm thinking of a, an example now that um, I believe it was an animal sanctuary that was so brutally honest about how you, um, you have to expect that you're going to get dirty and that animals have hooves and horns and aren't afraid to use them and that animals must be fed no matter what the weather is. And so your support as a volunteer is desperately needed because we can't just decide it's too cold to feed the animals. And it, I have to say, it just was so, um, it was humorous, um, it was honest, it was blunt, but it was so well-written. And you know, as a volunteer, you could then at that point say, I am all in, or you know what, this is not my thing. I'm going to move on to something else. And that's okay too, isn't it? Um, create job descriptions for your current and potential volunteer roles. You know, this is one of those things that everyone kind of goes, oh, now I should do that. And you really should do that. Um, I'm thinking of, you know, a food pantry that has team leaders who those team leaders come in they're, they're there before the staff is there. They open up the food pantry. They get everything prepped for the clients. They organize the volunteers into their different volunteer roles. They ensure that the um, food supplies are stocked with whatever is needed and that there is a system to make sure that people are taken care of quickly and kindly. Those team leader positions are critical, really critical. So do you have an actual job description? Because I think it's fair, you know, kind of going back to the volunteer information for people to know upfront what's expected of them, even though it's a volunteer role. Um, create and promote virtual volunteer opportunities. And this is um, a little tricky because especially at this time, I had actually just commented on a LinkedIn post this morning where somebody um, kind of implored corporate staff who are working from home now and looking for volunteer opportunities to not hoist themselves or force themselves on nonprofits and, and make that nonprofit find something for them to do. Um, and I liked the way that post was written because I do think this is a bit problematic. But the flip side is, now you have this opportunity to have all these people at home. When you go back through the slides, and you will get a copy of these slides, when you go back through this material and you look at things like reviewing your marketing materials, looking at your website, writing job descriptions, 
there are people out there who at the very least have templates and can make that job much easier. But these are opportunities for you to engage some of your volunteers on a virtual level. And it's help that you will need all the way down the road. So why not organize it now? Um, create a guide for community fundraisers. What I mean by this, and this really could probably belongs more in development, but I know a lot of times you'll have a scout troop or a community group, a rotary club, um, um, a church group who want to do a fundraiser on your behalf. Sometimes it's just collecting funds, maybe it's a 5K, maybe it's a party, a cookout, whatever. Love that, right? We love that. That is our constituents doing the fundraising for us. There's nothing better than that. But you have to proceed with a, a modicum of caution. You have to make sure that those groups are using your name, your logo, and your messaging appropriately and accurately that there's a mechanism for collecting funds. So um, remember that if you collect the funds, you can provide an acknowledgement for that gift and that individual will then be in your database. If you're not collecting those funds, um, you may lose those opportunities. So that's really up to you to decide which is better for your organization, but highly suggest that you write some standards out now. And I think it does help that community group to kind of know upfront what's expected. And I think those are the questions they would ask anyway. So why not answer them now and, and create sort of a template for that? Um, discuss processes needed for security and confidentiality. When it comes to volunteers, you know, we, we love them, but we want to make sure that we're protecting our constituents and also on the flip side, our volunteers. So are we comfortable that we're doing all of this well? Fingerprinting has been a hot topic for years. And this is not the time to talk about that. But that is something that is worthy of discussion. And now's a good time to talk about it. Um, also, um, I, Amy DeVita from um, Top Nonprofits put this link in one of her emails this week. And I thought it was um, a really cool, uh, just a resource for you in terms of virtual volunteering. So I included it here. Research and education. Um, you know, let's be honest. There are there's a lot going on now and it's very, very stressful. And if you are a little bit um, hyper like me, you wanna take any opportunity um, to avoid the news. So how can we use this time to make ourselves better, to self-educate, to get smarter, if, you know, for lack of a better term, um, now's a good time to review opportunities for um, educational for education for your staff and key volunteers um, and now's an opportunity to write grants for education and personal development funding a lot of funders will fund these sorts of initiatives but they want to see a solid presentation and a solid budget for what you're looking to do maybe you have um, some admin staff that really could hone their skills in Excel there's a lot of coursework out there free and um, um, for a fee uh, there are um, certifications. There's, there's so much out there. And now would be a great time to say, look, we're going to take this opportunity while we have some downtime from our traditional roles to make ourselves a little bit better. Read, 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 read lots of articles. Um, Chronicle of Philanthropy, Board Source, TechSoup, all have, these are just, I'm throwing out names, but these are just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to opportunities to really self-educate 
about philanthropy, about your um, particular market area, whatever it is, now's a good time to do that. And then I've always had this sort of problem where I, I, I go after a lot of emails, you know, oh, I'd love to read that. I'd love to read that. And then the reality is it all comes flooding into my inbox and I go, I'm not reading any of it because there's, there's too much. So now's the time to curate your email list. Which um, sources do you find yourself uh, going to all the time? Which are the ones that you kind of hang into your inbox for a little bit longer? Cause you know, you're going to get to them. You're going to click the links. You're going to read the articles, keep those, get rid of the rest. Now's a good time. Um, so a couple things to consider. Most of these are painfully obvious. Um, bandwidth. You know, I'm now in a house which used to be just me working from home. Now there are three professionals and one student working in my house. So, so far, no bandwidth issues, but that is also the reason that this has been pre-recorded and not done live um, because we recognize that many of you do have bandwidth problems. Also, obviously, security of data. How much do you want to give people access from home? Can you trust that their home office um, protocols are strong enough that there's not going to be a breach of data? Again, going back to the go remote policy, include this because this is really, really important. You know, I would never access uh, my CRM from anywhere but my home office, even though I could, well, anyway. That's just something that you need to consider. Um, what are your urgent needs right now? Uh, Sometimes, you know, like I said, some of you are really, really mired in this. So what are the things that need to be done right now? And then you can adjust accordingly. Um, accessibility really has more to do with, this is not the best icon for that, but it's also appropriate in all circumstances. Accessibility really has more to do with well, you've just asked your staff to work from home. Do they have what they need to be able to do that? Have you given them the tools? Do you owe them the tools? What's your, you know, how do you feel about how your um, staff is able to access information, data, you, whatever it means, other staff? Um, consider your distribution of labor and projects. You know, looking at this wild, wild west that we have going on right now, Obviously, your staff is already in a bit of a hierarchy with regards to their regular roles and responsibilities, but it's entirely possible that this whole situation has upended that. And so now you have maybe frontline staff, you know, um, really being your critical response team right now. And those on more the financial managerial side might be sitting back and they have the opportunity to tackle some of these um, projects. So Think about the distribution of labor and don't just assume that if I've suggested an admin project that it should go to an admin, okay? And then have that look down the road. Now is a great time to have the look down the road because we're gonna get back at it, aren't we? We're all gonna get back at it. This will end, don't know when, wish I could tell you. Wish you, don't you wish you could tell me? Don't know, but it will have an end. And what is your organization going to look like when we kind of, um, come out of this and we get back to, you know, our regular normal, not our new normal. Um, now's the time to think about, okay, all these projects that I suggested, strongly suggest you don't tackle them all because you're just going to overwhelm yourself and your staff um, and lose all credibility. But um, have a look and see where you might find yourself six, 12 months. And here's just for fun, a list of resources. Um, 
Just a whole bunch of, in no particular order, websites um, that I have used. I will point out a couple of them. The Certified Fundraising Executive, it's called the CFRE, um, is something that I achieved last year. It is time consuming to apply. It is time consuming to study and take the test. And frankly, it's time consuming to keep up with the certification, but it does have a lot of value. So I hold that up as just one example of if you want to take the time now to educate and make yourself better, that, that's just one option. I would also point out um, things like Coursera and edX have some really great low priced, reasonably priced, sometimes free coursework. Um, anything from leadership management, Excel, computer programming, you name it. And there's great opportunities there. Indiana University has some great certificate programs. And then here's one that I'm going to point out. The Acumen um, Human-Centered Design is a, it's a free class, or at least it was when I did it years ago. It is a way, if you are looking to create or overhaul programs, I love the approach this class takes because it really forces you to think about the end user. The recipient um, and in a way that is not one up one down um, or us helping them um, it really is a great level setting opportunity it is a group project but it could easily be done virtually um, so if you're looking for just a cool um, like a cool thing to do with your staff your board some of your constituents your clients your key volunteers have a look it's kind of cool um, so that is really all I have for you today. Um, I want to encourage you, I'm going to go back to the first slide here. I know that, uh, as I said, we pre-recorded this webinar out of respect for the lack of bandwidth. Um, but I really very genuinely want to offer, um, any, any resources that I can help you with. Uh, you know, there's my email, there's my website, just have a look. Um, if you want to reach out to me and if there's something that you'd like to pursue and you're not quite sure where to start, let's have a conversation. Let's FaceTime. Really, very genuine, very, uh, just want to take the opportunity to help out because, you know, I am working from home and always have worked from home, but I'm watching everybody out there doing the good work that you're doing. So if there's a way that I can lend a hand with that, I sure am happy to do it. So thanks again for uh, taking the time to watch, listen, uh, hopefully learn. Thanks again to Amy and Top Nonprofits for providing content like this so that uh, we can all get better at what we do. And um, thanks to uh, Internet Access for actually working and hopefully for the rest of you for the time being. So keep on keeping on. Uh, don't even know what you do, but I love what you do. And I applaud everything that you're doing and reach out if I can be helpful. Take care. Bye.